Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. And the pitch. We deliver baseball caps, myths, and everything you need for the game. But what you really get is so much more. FedEx delivery. Game day spirit. What we deliver by delivering. This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 57, The Draft of Indians Things, recorded live on Facebook.com slash Let's Go Tribe on January 9th, 2017. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast. As always with your host, me, Matt Lyons, Jason Lucart. Hey. And special guest, Merritt Rolfing. Hello there. Merritt, thanks for joining us again. Uh, I think this is the second time in like a month. Yeah, it's been, right? Has it been that often? Wow. I'm like a regular now. (laughs) You're a once a month regular. (laughs) And if anybody didn't notice, uh, Merritt's doing more posts now because he does such great ones. We figured we'll just force him to do more. Why not? Dead your servitude's fun. It's uh, just, yeah. When you you get up to like... Maybe 20 posts a week will let you out of the dungeon once in a while. Oh, until man. Then, all right. I, I got a goal to shoot for here. <laughs> just keep writing and just keep your head down. Don't don't worry. We'll feed you once in a while and you'll be good. Yes, boss. <laughs> so, Jason, how are you? Doing pretty well. I'm uh, coming off my two-week winter break from teaching. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. Yeah. Are, are you glad to be back? To spend, I didn't have to spend every day of break building baby furniture, only like half of them. So, I'm doing well. Do you have it at least almost finished now, or pretty close? Yeah, the room's like 90. We, we need to buy a rug. Everything else is ready to roll. <laughs> you know, you're a grown-up. You can use grown-person furniture. I don't know. Is, is, that, is that against the rules? I don't know. <laughs> well, toddler chairs are more comfortable to sit in. Oh, that's I mean, true. They're higher. It gets you up closer to the table. <laughs> Stretches Cribs out your labor rooms. Yeah, that's true. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> so, for everybody listening, uh, this, this show is going to be a little different. We don't really have... Any topics lined up because that's there, there's nothing going on. We're in January. The Indian side of Encarnacion. We've already talked about that to death. Last episode was our big celebration of hey, the Indians signed him, and then he officially signed the contract. Um, so that's over with and done. So we're going to do something new today. Uh, I was listening to the Effectively Wild podcast uh, over Christmas break, so a couple weeks ago, and then I emailed Jason. I mentioned because they did something called the draft of baseball things, which was just. It was Grant Brisby, Jeff Sullivan, and the two effectively wild guys. They were drafting just anything baseball. It could be players, things, abstract ideas. It was really great to listen to. Uh, obviously, with Jeff Sullivan and Grant Brisby, it was really funny, too. But there's a lot of insight and all kinds of good stuff there. And apparently, Joe Poznaski and Michael Schuer, I think that's how you pronounce it, they do it, too, on their podcast. So this isn't a new thing. Uh, but we're going to do the draft of Indians things. We're going to adapt it to our own podcast. Maybe we'll make this like a maybe a once-a-year January thing or every so many episodes or i don't know i think it'll be fun just something different because holy cow it's january (laughs) i already said that but there is nothing going on so so we're gonna draft some baseball things um the order we determined before it's gonna be me Merritt, and then jason and i should before we even start give an executive producer credit to my wife who had to receive our emails 
with our list. And she came downstairs. And the first thing she said is, what the hell are these? Because <laughs> I've seen my list. I haven't seen yours, Jason's, or yours, Merritt. But apparently, they're weird enough to confuse my what are, like casual baseball fan wife. So I know they're going to be good. Perfect. <laughs> at least I hope. You might be overselling at least my choices. I don't feel like <laughs> I mean, so Jason... <laughs> they require some baseball knowledge, I suppose, but they weren't like written in Dutch or anything. Mine were written in Dutch. It was, was that not one of the stipulations? Okay. I'll rewrite them. <laughs> were we not don't supposed to write them in Dutch? Oh. <laughs> that was the rule number one is write them in Dutch. Come on. Okay. So, so the basic rules, I mean, it's just, it's basically just a way to discuss Indians things that we like. I mean, we're not drafting anything, but we're drafting Indians things. So, I mean, are you guys ready to start? Uh, yeah, let's, let's get this going. I'm going to win whatever game we're going to, these, <laughs> these things will eventually play. Yeah. This, this is the weirdest game ever. We should simulate it somehow. I'm the greatest general manager in history. You'll see. <laughs> Since I'm the only one who followed the rules and I picked exactly three. I'm going to go first to make sure none of mine gets stolen. So we're going to be go me, Merritt, and then Jason. I don't know if I said that already. I might have, but that's the order we're going to do. So I'm going to do mine first. Um, basically, for my first draft pick, I wanted something with Terry Francona because I love that man. Um, he does a lot of things really cool. I thought about the scooter. That's cool. I like his scooter. Um, there's just so many things about Terry Francona I like. But before I actually say the pick, I'm going to read a quote from our fearless leader, um, Matt Schlichting, in the first post that he ever wrote on Let's Go Tribes. He had this quote at the beginning, which was great. Um, so this was back in June. This will basically sum up why I love Terry Francona so much. So here's what he said. Uh, he said, I had 17 the other night. No, that's not a lie. <laughs> They're healthy. So if one's good, 17's got to be real good. I woke up in the middle of the night and I was like borderline, like it was coming up, but I was so tired that I just laid there for about an hour and I was like, don't throw up, don't throw up, don't throw up. I should have got up and threw up. And then I woke up in the morning and I was like, shit. So I started counting the sticks. They're so good. Obviously I didn't get tired of them. They're so blanking good. Because Brandon brought nine boxes, and there's six in each box. There's one box left, so I don't know what I'm going to do tonight. They're good, man. And they have them on the plane, too. When the lady comes by with a basket, I just grab the basket like, I'll handle this. <laughs> so if nobody's ever seen that before, that is the excellent quote from the fearless leader, Terry Francona, about the fact that he ate 17 popsicles. So my, my first draft pick is Terry Francona eating things. Because on top of the popsicles, he also bought $44 worth of ice cream before Game 5 of the World Series. I mean, if you're going to be superstitious and weird, you could say, that's that's why the Indians lost. But no, it's not. Um, Terry Francona is great. He's just one of my favorite thing in baseball and all of sports is having personalities. And Terry Francona has a ton of personality. And <laughs> that one big block quote sums it up. The fact that he bought a ton of ice cream before World Series bought it up or um, sums it up. So Terry Francona eating things is how we're going to kick off this draft. I can't believe you've done this. You just take so many things, and it was going to be my first pick. Oh, my God. Well, it was such a vague idea, but it's literally I picked a thing that he puts into his mouth. So how could you have done this to me? Oh, man. What a pick. You have, like, eight, don't you, on your list? I, have I do, exactly but this three. one was so good. Oh, well, I have a better one, but still. That quote, though, that's... Like, the way Matt said it in his first post is you have, like, quotes from actual leaders. Like, they were inspiring quotes. And then it's just that Terry Francona quote. That's <laughs> one, one of the greatest things he's ever done. It is. He's eaten 17 popsicles. Oh, I'm so mad. <laughs> and that was back in June, too. So that was, that was before like the know, winning streak. 
I feel like we're missing on. I want to know what type of popsicles they are. Yeah. Didn't they say? A significant factor in just how bonkers the accomplishment is. I thought there were some kind of like diet popsicles. That's why you said they were good. Like they were sh- sugar free or something weird like yeah, that. Yeah, they were good for you. Yeah. I imagine good grape and or a lot of grape and orange. I don't know why. It's just kind of a something that may that may stain more than you'd think. <laughs> I don't I don't know why. Just I'm a, yeah. You guys you know. both familiar you guys are both familiar with like the, the the freeze pop, which is just like the plastic sleeve with like yeah. frozen sugar water yeah. in it. Yeah. What is that? I can imagine. Oh. Do you think that's like half a popsicle? Is that equivalent to a popsicle? I think that's a whole popsicle. They're really long. You know, they're like a, they're like a foot and a half long usually, right? I'd say that's a, that's a whole popsicle's worth of. All right, because popsicality. I, I don't want to top Terry Francona. <laughs> he was an older man when he ate his seventeen than me. But uh, probably ten years ago or so, two friends and I did polish off a box of one hundred freeze pops in one. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> <laughs> I had at least my share. I think I had somewhere between 35 and 40 freeze pops in one night. Now, again, <laughs> I was a young man at the time with a young man's metabolism. So mm-hmm. when, you, when you account for age, Francona's 17 is probably still more impressive given his age. Oh, definitely. I mean, you figure when you're a 10 to 12-year-old, you know, scamp, you could probably eat 50 of those things with ease. I used to just have those in the freezer out in the garage when I was a kid. We would just sit out there and eat them all day. We're not even counting, just... <laughs> It's charming that you think 10 years ago I was a 10 or 12-year-old scam. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. What, what, what is time anymore, right? I don't know. So we have breaking news on this. Uh, the popsicles were called Outshine Fruit Bars. He had They were grape. He had 17 grape. grape. Well, see, I, it says I, grape I on Ohio.com. All the same flavor. I think that like adds a whole layer to it. I mean, Freeze Pops, I had like six or seven different flavors to rotate between. Mm-hmm. It's impressive commitment to go with uh, 17 of the same. Especially grape. That's a flavor that, like, I like grapes, but the flavor of grape makes me sick after a yeah, while. The flavor of grape is Dimatap. Yeah, that's disgusting. Yeah. Maybe also, I just like to right. drink coffee. Made with real grapes, excellent source of vitamin C, no high-toast corn syrup, fat and gluten-free, no artificial colors or flavors, no GMO ingredients, only 60 calories a piece, although that's still over 1,000 calories total when you put down 17. <laughs> when you spread it out, it doesn't count. I mean... That's how it works, Jason. It's mad. Plus, they turn to liquid, so it's it's literally <laughs> nothing anymore. When they're solid, it's calories. But once they liquefy, science science has shown that's not calories anymore. <laughs> so, with me robbing your first pick, Merritt. Uh, oh, I know what else I wanted to say. I realized this was in 2015 that he ate the popsicles. He, he didn't he do year. something else. No, he ate a ton of ice cream during the World Series. I think. Remember yeah, I he, he, that one too. He had forty four dollars yeah, ice cream before yeah. Game Five. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that's more impressive, I think. I mean, that's a lot of ice cream. I don't well, care maybe, if you're paying. Not. Room service at a nice hotel, $44 Excellent point. of ice cream might have been like three scoops. <laughs> so, I mean, I feel like even if for $44, you're probably paying 10 times the amount. So you probably still ate two or three containers worth of, you probably ate a gallon or so of ice cream. At 2 a.m., that's a lot of ice cream for a, for a 65-year-old man or, whatever, or however old he is. That's a lot of ice cream. That's going to that's gonna create a, a situation down the line. <laughs> Not down the first baseline, you mean? No, no, different lines. Uh, I, I don't know what his lactose intolerance level is either, so who's to say what happened with him? If it's even minor, it exploded after that. So. I believe the situation it created down the line was Michael Martinez <laughs> at the plate with the <laughs> No, Jason. I was just trying to steer people away from making a connection between ice cream and bad decisions. But now you drew a direct line to the worst decision. Well, that came was- before. 
Well, you also teach Tito to not, you know, <laughs> eat quite so much ice cream. <laughs> Every time you eat too much ice well, cream. Well, what I, I was going to pick. Yeah, go ahead with your What friend, I was going to pick was Francona's bizarre blend of gum and tobacco that he chews on. But you picked all things he eats. So I'm very <laughs> frustrated by that because that, that's disgusting to me that he chews tobacco and gum. Because I, I know he started chewing gum, but back when he was in, back when he was the Red Sox manager, because uh, he wanted to quit tobacco. But then he just started mixing the two together in, in a bizarre, foul blend that I just can't even begin to imagine the flavor of. I don't know. It's the most baseball thing on earth, gum and tobacco, I guess, but still. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. I didn't even mention that one. Yeah, so the whole I mean, like big tub that he has behind him all the time. Exactly, yeah. And then he just has a patch of chewing tobacco right there, too. And you're just like, yeah, you are just gross, Franco. <laughs> oh. Anyway, that's what I was going to pick, but now I'm going to lose whatever game we end up playing. So, so pick one of your other eight that you have lined up. I know. but <laughs> All right. For my first pick, I am going to pick. I select a scoreboard that can fit 150 buses. Now, <laughs> what this means is, for those of you who don't remember this ridiculous comment by, uh, who even made this comment? It was during the, during the playoffs, but one of the color commentators, I think it was John Smoltz, but it could have been someone else. But he said, boy, look at that scoreboard, the one, the new one, it, uh, Progressive News. I bet you could fit 150 buses on there. And so that's always stuck with me because they did the math later on. I think it was like 34 buses or something like that. But yeah, <laughs> that, that's my selection. A scoreboard that can fit 150 buses. That's a lot of buses, guys. That was was that crazy. during the playoffs? That, yeah, I that was, was during the earlier. playoffs. No, that was during the playoffs because it was some color count. I, th- I, I don't know. It could have been any time at all, but it was. It just stuck with me since then. And yeah, <laughs> so that was my first overall pick, and I think it's a winner. How do you that measure the number of buses that fit on a scoreboard? I mean, what are we talking about here? Are we talking about like <laughs> the? Well, if you were to theoretically take it down and park some score some buses on top of it, I guess is how you theorized it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So it was John Smoltz. He said a um, reflog on Twitter. If you know who he is. Uh, he tweeted about October 26th, so sometime around then, obviously. And he did the math, and it was actually like 40. <laughs> okay, yeah. But John yeah. Smoltz said 150. Yeah, on October 27th, Cleveland 19 News did a, re- did, did a story on how many buses you can actually fit on the Cleveland Indian <laughs> scoreboard. <laughs> that is yeah. a story. So that's what, that, that, that is hard-hitting news, is what that is. So yeah, that's that's a great pick, and you'd be hard-pressed to beat that, even with all your... Your vague Tito eating things, Matt, you cheater. <laughs> come, on, come on now. Tito eating things is amazing. And so was 150 buses on a scoreboard. Well, it's, it's an amazing feat to pull off. How could you put all those buses <laughs> on a scoreboard? Has anybody done how big that scoreboard would actually be? That would be like the size of Progressive Field, right? Scoreboard. Well, I mean, it would be about four times the size of the right. current. If you can fit about 40, 150 is about four times 40. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at a Scoreboard four times as big. That'd be yeah. a big ass scoreboard. <laughs> I wonder the so, biggest scoreboard in sports is. I wonder if that that could fit 150 Cowboys. buses. The Cowboys probably. Cowboys have like some ridiculous scoreboard, or is there like five year old scoreboard already like outdated? <laughs> oh yeah, no, they, yeah, that was outdated within like two years. Yeah, somewhere weird has one like A and M or something. Levi's Stadium. That's who it is. The 49ers? Is that really true? List of largest video screen. Let me do some some quick professional. Okay, the 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 Su, Suju Sky screen is five hundred by thirty two. That's a big ass screen. Jesus Christ! <laughs> you can watch the 49ers be terrible in a really really big screen. Uh, Mexico City Arena is bigger. Man, that's a big screen. Yeah, man, that doesn't even break the top ten. Uh, the one down in Texas anymore. 
Oh Church really? Island. I thought that was the biggest. Wow. So it, I mean, it was of... big for a long time, and I guess it's it's no. I guess it's been topped by by many different people. I'm really not up on my scoreboard, Laura. Yeah, me neither. I haven't I haven't been paying attention. Even Churchill Downs <laughs> is a bigger screen now. You feel like maybe it was a mistake to draft a scoreboard that doesn't even crack the top ten? Oh well, the the Indians is twenty first in the entire world. I mean, that's <laughs> that's actually bigger than the one at AT and T Stadium. So that doesn't crack the top ten, Merritt. That's what we're. Uh... Uh, whatever. Well, I mean, you can't be topping people like New Century Global Center in Chengdu or Arena Corinthians in somewhere. I don't know where any of these. I don't know where any of these places are. Many of these are transparent too, so I feel like that's cheating. I feel like if you would, yeah, you could see through. So I think it has to be a traditional scoreboard. In which case, the Indians is like seventh or something. So yeah, I'll take it. I'll take a top ten. One, two, three, we'll count it. Four. We'll count it. So, Jason, uh, what's your your first round pick here? Nine. All right, well, two. <laughs> Nine, there you go. One. Are these all supposed to be like relatively current? Because that no, is get that memo. No, so no my, I have a couple old ones. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, and then two. I'm going to be kick it down a notch here with a slow song, <laughs> and uh, it won't be quite as hilarious as popsicles or a giant scoreboard. But uh, with my first pick. I'm going to go with uh, with Frank Robinson, and I'm going with Frank Robinson as a represent. Could easily have been Larry Doby um, or a joint pick, but I guess I'm going with the Indians' uh, history of uh, progressive and forward thinking uh, inclusion, which is pretty ironic for a team with Chief Wahoo as a logo. <laughs> but I think the Indians arguably have the best track record of, uh, you know, important diversity and things like that between the first black player in the American League and the first uh, black manager or head coach in American professional sports. So I'm going to go with Frank Robinson as sort of my representation for that. Uh, One of the things I think is interesting about being a fan is that you start cheering for a team and on some level, like your connection to the team begins whenever that was. So for me, that was 1986 with the Indians when I was a little kid. Uh, but I, I think most fans, you also get drawn into like the pre-U history of the team that you like. So, you know, like Bob Feller and, the, you know, the 48 team that had Larry Doby and Satchel Paige and, uh, you know, other great players. Um, and I, there's something to me satisfying about cheering for a team that, that had Larry Doby and that, and that made Frank Robinson the first manager, uh, the first African-American manager. And then it's pretty cool that in his first game as manager, when he was still player manager, when baseball teams used to do that, that he hit a home run. Like, first African-American managing a game and he hits a home run, too. That's like... I think it was his first at bat as well. Yeah, like, that's like... Yeah. That's one of the coolest sporting days or accomplishments anyone's ever had, I think. And uh, but yeah, I just think it's I think it's interesting. I mean, I don't know. Do you guys care at all about Indian stuff like that predates your your own? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, I just I finally read uh, the Curse of Rocky Colavito, and as you'll probably notice from articles I've written of late, it's definitely informed on many articles I've written, whether I mention things or because I wrote about Jim Perry for some reason. But no, I definitely it's. I mean, the part of the reason you you root for a team and pay attention to them is because of the history behind it. You know, it's. You can't just root for what's going on right now. That's boring. There's there's more to caring about a team than just caring about the guys on the field right then. It's about the history and the, I don't know, being a part of that. And even in some tangential way as a fan. And no, I've, you picked a seriously good pick there, Jason. Damn. Yeah, I like it too. And I like the history. Like I said, I read that one. Um, 
I reviewed the No Money, No Penance, or No Money, No Beer, No Penance, which was the Indians around the Depression. That was really cool. I like that area of the Indians before they won with like, um, that was the very beginning of Bob Feller's career, I think, or something like that. He was there, but it was like near the beginning. But yeah, but yeah, that whole era of before the Indians even won their 1948 World Series, I really liked the whole building up the city around the Indians and trying to get the new stadium and all that. It, it's kind of reflective of like the 90s in a way. So I like that era. I like... Even for me, the 90s is when I was a really little kid, so I barely even know anything about it. So I still even read stuff about that, too. Which is probably sacrilegious, I'm guessing, to some people. (laughs) (laughs) And Jason, too. We'll give you a pass. (laughs) I'm going with Frank Robinson as my first pick. Uh, In terms of his time as a manager, he, he, he only managed the team for three years. Um, you know, it's not like, you know, by that point in his career as a player, he was obviously near the end of the line. So I, he often, I feel like, gets overlooked in the list of, you know, important figures in Indians history just because we tend to understandably gravitate towards players. Uh, but and I the team was, out- wasn't very good then also. I mean, a, a lot of the 60s and 70s gets kind of glossed over because they were just dreadful, really. But yeah, this was just a moment in that time, which is a in a very long, dark period, it was a very, was a real bright a bright point, I think. Yeah. Agreed. Do you guys think we should be um, not upset, but should Larry Doby get some kind of recognition or more recognition for being the first African American player in the AL? I feel like that always goes unnoticed. Last year, I wanted to do like a a Frank Robinson or not Frank Robinson, um, Larry Doby day on the side. I will probably should do it this year, but I feel like nobody really does. We we do the stuff for um. Well, I'm completely blanking on Jackie Robinson. Yeah, Jackie Robinson, but nobody <laughs> even recognizes Larry Doby at all. I don't think. Well, I mean, he, he was. I mean, I agree with you in a sense that he was the first in the American League, but it was it, he wasn't the first so i can understand like no one really cares about the second person do anything or at least the second for i don't know it's since, since the the barrier was already broken in the major leagues i can understand why people don't really care about larry doby quite so much i don't know if that's right or not but i mean no one really cares it's about understandable. You know, the, yeah. yeah like no one like who was the second black manager in, or who was the who was the first black manager in yeah, the NL or something like that, you know. Like, I mean, I just, I just, I just don't know. So, yeah. I mean, one of the reasons I like the Oakland Raiders is they had the first ever black coach and Hispanic coach, and then I don't know who the second black coach or second Hispanic coach was. I mean, it was just one of those things you don't really think about because they yeah. didn't break a barrier. So, I think Doby deserves more recognition than he gets. Yeah, uh, largely because when we talk about what you know, when we talk about Robinson, we talk about what he went through and having to be the first person to go through that because the NL and AL were until the World Series, you know, other than the All-Star Game and World Series were completely separate. You know, Dobie was the first black player in a lot of cities. Where that is a fair Robinson point. Yeah. And Dodgers weren't going to go. So I think he deserves more recognition. You know, I mean, even if that wasn't the case, any of those guys who are playing that to them, you know, deserve a lot of recognition for that. But yeah, I do think as a culture, first means so much more to us than second does. Um, you know, I also think the fact that Jackie Robinson in his first year was already a great player and was an everyday starter. You know, he was rookie of the year that year, was like fourth or fifth in the MVP voting. Um, whereas Larry Doby in the, in 1947 only, only got like 30 or 40 at bats. So he mm-hmm. didn't, he wasn't as significant a presence. So while he was the first going into a lot of cities, he wasn't in the starting lineup every day. Um, and then I, you know, he 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 went on to a Hall of Fame career, but not quite the same caliber as Jackie Robinson. So I think it's completely <clears throat> understandable why Jackie Robinson gets more attention. 
Um, but it would be kind of neat if, like, National League teams honor Jackie Robinson on, uh, you know, April 15th, the way all teams do. Um, and then maybe American League teams on July 5th, which was the day that year that Larry Doby integrated the American League. Maybe American League teams could do the same sort of stuff would be nice. Or both leagues could do things on both days. It would be nice if Larry Doby, uh, you know, got more attention. But I wonder why he didn't get, get very much play. I mean, was he just I, – I don't know. Again, I just don't know that much about him because he's just never talked about it really. I mean, I wonder why he didn't get very much playing time. He Played kind of consistently. I mean, he was in a lot of games from July. I'm just looking at his game logs from 1947. He was just kind of, you know, one plate appearance, one at bat. A lot of pinch hitting looks like. So. Mid-season. And I think, yeah, there was some extent of mixing. And when you look at his numbers for that first year, he, like. Yeah, he only hit, like, two, like two, one, 156. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he wasn't really hitting. Yeah. You know, he, he, he came up later. He wasn't quite as ready as a ball player. Yeah. Um, you know, he was five years younger than Jackie Robinson was. He was only 23. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, like, the full, like, explanation history. But looking at his age, looking at when he came up, looking at his numbers, it's not completely baffling to me that he didn't play more than he did. Um, and then he, you know, 1948, he was a you know fantastic player in his, you know, his first full season. So it didn't take him long. He had a much more conventional career in a way than Robinson did. Because Robinson, like you said, came up when he was in the prime of his career. Whereas Dobie came right. up as though he were just... Another prospect. He's twenty three years old. You know, like he just came up as though he were another prospect, which is an interesting way to look at it, despite the fact that he was breaking down a major barrier in American right. sports. You know. Yeah. So, Jason, that was a great, um, thoughtful, heartfelt, good pick, which segues me into my pick. <laughs> I'm embarrassed just- by my garbage now. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> which is, <laughs> which is just not being the Browns. That's that's one of my Indians things I like the most. I mean that in a lot of ways. Like the the biggest one that always comes to mind is watching the Browns like half-heartedly sort of like try to rebuild and then trade down in the draft and they just don't seem to do anything right on the lower levels of the organization and the upper levels anywhere but but the Indians are so good at building from the ground up and they've done it for so long now that it's starting to to pay off meanwhile the Browns are just floundering and fans are starting to leave them like at the end of the season they the stadium was empty for some games so I'm hoping they start flocking back to the Indians and just the Indians keep not being the Browns. Because even even the Indians made, they hired a football guy. Um, I already forgot his name. I'm terrible at remembering names, but to be their farm director. And then that that's a, that seems like a good move. But the Browns did the same thing last year, and it just seemed like a just a grab to get a big-name guy that was in baseball that um, was in sabermetrics. And who I knows if that works? They went 1-5. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they went 1-15 after that, so that didn't work, so... Just not what? being the Browns. They, they know it's what they're doing. They're sticking to a size. You know, it's so hard to sabermetricize football too. I don't know. I don't really know what they're going to do. Like, what is the what, what? What? I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't root for the Browns. So it's an excellent <laughs> pick because <laughs> we need to find Robert Griffin's BAPIP somehow. We need to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Like, like seriously, it. what? What is the? What is? The, what is the inefficiency you're going to go after in football? Like, there's 16 games. There's not enough time for you to to work out all yeah. the kinks and you know like, like win in the aggregate and. And there's no know. like one on one like there is in baseball. That's that's the big reason you can do so much statistical analysis and stuff yeah. like that is because there's so many one on one things. Yeah. yeah, you could probably get by in football just scouting and gut feeling, which is fine because that's the way the football is. You can watch every single snap in a reasonable amount of time and still now I will probably say make this. good decisions. Former uh, Browns head coach Bill Belichick did do this with the Patriots uh, when he. Went with a three-four defense early in the two thousand. Everyone else was going four-three, so he was able to get the pick of the litter, so to speak, with drafting. But I don't know. Like, do you so do something like that? In Twenty years, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know. I mean, uh, that's the thing. It's it's hard to be a it's hard to be a visionary in football because it's like you said. It's just it's I don't know. 
plus you're so affected by college football and like what's going on down there and you know if yeah. they're not producing the players you want so yeah that, that's no, another that's, reason why I like baseball so much is you can find those kind of things it's not just don't suck you can you can be good several different ways in baseball i think mm-hmm. and the browns are bad at everything in football so <laughs> <laughs> so my pick is just i'm glad they're not the browns that's that's an indians thing i like so much they're in cleveland I wouldn't even say they're the Cavs because the Cavs are leaning on LeBron James so much. And the Indians are built around so many players being pretty good to really good. So they're just kind of their own thing. They're not the Browns. They're sort of closer to the Cavs. So I mean, they're definitely the best run team in the in in Cleveland, right? Oh yeah, I would say. I mean, maybe, maybe the, the Erie Monsters are better run. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Can you, I don't follow the Cavs that much, but can you really call them well run? They well, they kind of. That's the thing. Like they were terrible, and then they got LeBron. I like, guess the thing about basketball: you could be a poorly run franchise, but then you get the best player in the world. And like you, you look at the the Bulls for even with, when Jordan was there, their owner was still crappy, and their general manager was good, but not you know nothing, nothing special really. He found Scottie Pippen, but you know I don't know. I feel like Michael Jordan would have done that to anyone. Just abused some young guy into turning into Michael Jordan Mark too. So. So talking about the Bulls, Jason, this seems like the perfect way to segue into a video you tried to link on Twitter, but it didn't work. I, I watched it from the email, and it was amazing. Do, do you want to describe what happened to you? Uh, yes. What was tonight, it five years ago? Tonight is the five-year anniversary of one of the greatest, yet also most tragic moments of my life, when uh, I was able to be one of three participants in what was then, it's, it's since been canceled for whatever reason, they don't do it anymore, but the Bulls used to do what's called the Inflatables race. You can only imagine how many words that usually end in B-L-E, the Chicago Bulls. Oh, have. hell yeah. <laughs> um, so the inflatable race is when three fans, each dressed in an inflatable Benny the Bull costume, have like a, a, a race back and like up and up and down the court twice. So it's like two back and forth on the court in between like the first and second quarters or something like that. <laughs> and uh, so I got to participate. First of all, it turns out those inflatable suits are made for someone who's probably about five foot six. <laughs> uh, so at six foot two, the, uh, the eye holes were at a pretty extreme angle for me. So when I looked through the eye holes, all I could really see were my feet or where my feet would have been if I didn't have a giant Benny the Bull belly in the way. Uh, so visibility was low. And <laughs> due to the low visibility, my lane was closest to where the player benches are. And you started by the Bulls bench and then went to the far baseline and back, and you had to do that twice. And the first trip down, I must have been angled ever so slightly and uh, was headed right towards the Boston Celtics bench where I would have had the chance to take out the hated Kevin Garnett. <laughs> Uh, security got in the way and blocked me and, and held me up for a good five or six seconds before they let me go. And, uh, and then I ended up losing the race by like three or four seconds. So it was really the margin of defeat was that wall of security. Uh, and then I, yeah, it was, uh, I suspect there was some betting involved that wasn't <laughs> Mm-hmm. Some under the table inflatable betting. Welcome to Chicago. Under the table. Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, once you get started with him, you really can't stop. So the distance between you and Kevin Garnett, about how many buses could you fit in there? You think? Uh, <laughs> 150, 120? What are we talking? Yeah. A short bus? I don't know. 
I would say you could have fit a couple of Terry Francona's Francona scooters between us. <laughs> is that like our measurement? It goes bus and then Terry Francona's scooter? Yes. There's nothing in between. <laughs> what else is there? Yeah. You know, it's like the metric system. Yeah, you can split a the bus. A bus is merely a, a mega scooter, you know? <laughs> a centa scooter. Uh, yeah, so that's my pick. Not being the Browns is, is it. So, uh, so what's your second your second round choice, Mary? I don't know if I want to spend any time talking about this one, so I'm not going to pick it right now. All right. I am going to pick round two. This is a tough one. I mean, he's officially an Indian. No. I'm going to pick this one because it's a winner. I'm going to pick Ichiro Suzuki's insane hatred of Cleveland. Oh, really? Yeah. He once said he'd rather punch himself in the face than go back to Cleveland. And I'm going to pick that. Because I, I don't didn't. understand what drives somebody to all places, <laughs> Cleveland, Ohio, so much. But Ichiro Suzuki, a man from Japan, no less. He came all the way over here and just discovered that he hates Cleveland. <laughs> of all the places, I hate this rust-built garbage pit. Dude, rude. <laughs> Is that really what he said? Yeah, he, he said he'd rather... Yes, I am, I am, I am barely... I, I will try and find the quote for you. I don't know. Discuss amongst yourself. <laughs> so, so it's... I was looking up all your... Well, you went through it. The second I heard he hates Cleveland, I'm like, I'm Googling this. So his quote was, to tell the truth, I'm not excited to go to Cleveland, but we have to. If I ever saw myself say, <laughs> if I ever saw myself saying I'm excited to go to Cleveland, I'd punch myself in the face because I'm lying. Jeez, Ichiro. <laughs> like, I don't know what caused him to say that. <laughs> I'm glad you're stuck on the Marlins now. Now, I know that, like, that they were the team that the Indians were playing when they got snowed out several years ago. They had to go play in a... In, uh... Milwaukee, if you remember that. So I don't know if it had something to do with that, because he was still in the, Mar- in the uh, Mariners then, but oh, I just don't know what drives someone to hate Cleveland so much. And Jobo was sworn with Nats, and, or whatever those things, midges or whatever, and he was fine coming back to play. So Exactly. He came back and enjoyed himself in Cleveland for a little while. I, mean, I, guess it's because, well, I guess when the team's paying you to be there, you're okay <laughs> with things. But <laughs> No punching yourself in the face then. Did you know about that, Jason? The quote? Oh, yes. I'm familiar with oh, it. Yeah. The other thing, I believe... That was he. He spoke in Japanese, and it was interpreted uh, into English. So I wonder if, like, the interpreter cleaned it up at all. I mean, it could have been even more extreme than that. For all we oh, know, he's just he's just ripping on Cleveland to the Japanese media. <laughs> that's, that's almost even worse. What's going on with him? I love Ichiro Suzuki. I'm not gonna lie; the man is a, a living legend. But that's just for reasons including that. I think just irrational hatred of, of all. Of a, of All a, of Japan of just thinks Cleveland's like a burning apocalypse wasteland yeah, over there. Apparently, yeah. I just, I just love his irrational hatred of a of a mid-sized Rust Belt town. Like that's that's fantastic. <laughs> that's a great pick. I like that. Thank you. <laughs> I'm very proud of it. It took a lot of thought on that one. That's one of the ones that wasn't on the list I, that, that I uh, submitted. So it may be an illegal pick, but I don't care. <laughs> that could have been my third one, and then I'd be scrambling to get one right now because some of us only did three, not like twelve. Yeah. Have you ever seen a buses. draft? Yeah, you know, Matt, I'm glad you're not the Indian GM. <laughs> yeah, at first, it's like, ah, crap, that was my guy. Uh, <laughs> well, we're out. Does this thing. I, I wasn't no. prepared for this. No, I, was, I submitted them to our executive producer, my wife, and <laughs> if she said one of them were copied, I'd pick a new one. Well, you can get more immediate <laughs> feedback from the executive producer. So, like, if she told me, oh, that's not going to work, it might have been, like, two minutes before we started. That's true. And, I mean, God knows, how could I possibly think of something Indians-related that I like in the spur of the moment? I would have been <laughs> it's very difficult. It's, it's impossible. <laughs> so what's your second-round pick, Jason? All right. Well, in 
Indians history, uh, by far their, their greatest second round pick is Albert Bell. And so in honor of Albert Bell with my second pick, uh, I'm going with the 1995 Indians team, uh, which remains the, the best Indians team of my lifetime. Uh, and while a team that wins the World Series would be satisfying in a different way, frankly, even if the Indians had won Game 7 or Game 6 or Game 5 this year, uh, that would have been awesome. They still wouldn't have been as good a team as the 95 Indians team were. So uh, I was 15 in 1995, so I was a good age for uh, getting really into things. And that was uh, the strike-shortened year 94 when the world series was canceled people often forget 95 started a little late so the indians won 100 games in only 144 game season so 144 and 144 uh which was one of the best records in history and they were just a blast to watch uh albert bell was the guy that year when he became the first player ever with 50 doubles and 50 home runs uh, but of course, I mean, we can go up and down the lineup, uh, you know, in terms of m- great and memorable players. Uh, I think no matter whether the Indians ever win a World Series or not, the 95 team is probably always going to be the team I think of first uh, when I think of great tribe baseball. They just beat teams to death, too. Like, that was, and then Jim Toby playing third base. That's, that's hilarious to imagine him <laughs> playing third base today. Oh, what a team that was. That's, I mean, Someone's cheating to pick a team like that. <laughs> second so, round, man. So you were 15 when that team came out, or when they came out, when they played. Like, there's almost no chance, no matter how good the Indians are, that you'll feel, um, I don't know, like, yeah. that you'll have better memories because you were a kid then. Like, no matter what they do as an adult, you're never exactly. going to like a team as much. So that's yeah, pretty like cool. You're, you're locked in so much. so much fun, and there's a lot of players in the Indians right now who I really, really like. But it's not the same, Mm-mm. or it shouldn't be the same. There's something a little wrong with you as a 30 something year old if you have the <laughs> same type of emotional investment in a team that you did when you were 15. Like, in some ways, my investment is like, it's more in depth, there's more nuance to it, and all that. I know more about the team. I can actually watch almost every game and all that. But, like, that's different than just being 15 and like losing your mind about things the way a 15 year old does. So yeah, you're right. There, there's there's really nothing that can happen, uh, you know, that can that can push that away. World Series would be great. I really want them to win a World Series. Uh, but the '95 Indians are always going to be the Indians team for me. They beat a lot of teams by exactly ten runs. Like they beat the Tigers fourteen to four. They beat Milwaukee twelve to two one day. They beat Chicago eleven to one. They beat. Kansas City, 17 to 7. Well, I don't understand. There's like, oh, we got 10. We're, we're 10 up. We're, we're, we're good now. <laughs> Just looking at their, you know, you know, on baseball reference, if you look at a team's like season, they yeah. have the, the graph where it has all the, the, the uh, green and the red. There's so many high bars in this team. Good Christmas. What <laughs> yeah, a team they, that was. They won that, they won the division by 30 <laughs> games that year, which that's, I don't know what the record is, but I got to think, at least in the, you know, in the division era, I got to think, Winning a division by 30 games is, is if not the very top, awfully close to the biggest margin of victory. That's hard to do. Yeah, exactly. 30 games. Good Christ. How <laughs> so bad were the other teams, too? Like, what was going on with that? They were just that good. Well, and the Indians, I mean, what everyone remembers is their awesome offense. And, I mean, that's what I think of first, too. You know, they led the American League in runs per game. Uh, but they also led the American League with the fewest runs allowed per game. So they weren't just a hitting team. They were really a great team 
you know, on both sides uh, with a ton of great players. And it's weird because between, you know, Bell's career being shortened and Manny Ramirez with performance enhancing drugs and Kenny Lofton getting sort of the shaft, I'm like 99% Tomei's going to get in. But it's a little weird that none of like the stars of that team are in the Hall of Fame at this point. Yeah. You know, Eddie Murray's in the Hall of Fame. But that you know that wasn't like his his those weren't the years that wasn't the year that got no, him. Yeah, he was a he was a role player effectively in that team. Yeah, right. So yeah, I mean one of the one of the greatest teams in baseball history, and over twenty years later, none of its stars are in the Hall of Fame. It's pretty bizarre. <laughs> yeah. Well, Ruben Amaro Jr. might make it in as oh, an executive. So there you go. <laughs> or a third base coach. <laughs> or a third base coach. Hall of Fame third base. He will spin that arm. <laughs> So you guys know more about history than I do. Who do you? What do you, team do you think? Like people who are in their like forties, fifties, or sixties who grew up in like that that huge span of Indians where they were just awful or mediocre. Like, do they have a season anything close to that? I wonder. Like, cause if, at that point, the, there was a year in the sixties where they almost made the playoffs, or they were like in third. <laughs> and that's the big high point. And there was a year in this. I, 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 yeah, I was reading about all this stuff just for a couple different articles I was working on. But no, that's the thing. There's a reason the mid '90s Indians are held in such high regard. It was because mm-hmm. they were so bad. like. There's a reason Major League exists, right? And like they were so bad for so long, and they weren't even like dreadfully bad. They were just crappy, just yeah. players you didn't want to watch, and a big ugly stadium. And then there's every and everything got perfect all of a sudden. And so yeah, there's a reason that team is held in such beautifully high regard. Yeah. And like, they deserve it. And every, and every, I, I think that people who are, you know, in their forties, fifties, or sixties, they look at the mid nineties Indians still as the high point of their Indians fandom. Because what else did you have? You had the crappy team you went to go see get beat up by the other teams coming to town. And that's yeah, one of the reasons everyone has. I mean, again, like the players from when you were a kid, uh, you know, like <laughs> between when you became a fan and you know your your teenage years. I think everyone, you know, there's guys even if they weren't you know, the same caliber as Tomei or Bell or Ramirez or Lofton. Like, you have the guys you loved when you were a kid, and that's going to be special no matter what. But, yeah, in terms of, like, man, that was the year. I mean, the Indians, they never even finished in second place Mm. during the 60s or 70s uh, or 80s. I mean, you know, they had some winning records in there, um, but the, the closest they were in terms of games back in the 60s or 70s was 14 games back. So there was never a season when with like a month to go, it was like, this could be the year. Like, you know, I'm just, I, I happen to have a copy of Chris Rocket Calavita next to my computer right now. Jack Kralik was Terry Pluto's favorite player back when he was a kid. Jack Kralik was a crappy pitcher. He was good for like a year. He was traded for Jim Perry. He ended up winning at Cy Young with the Twins. And, and then he came back to the Indians later on and was not as, not as good as he used to be. But... That's the thing. Like, like you said, Jason, like you have players from when you're a kid who you just you hold in bizarrely high regard because they were the ones that you just, I don't know, you copied when you were swinging a, a stick or a bat or whatever. And we just happened to look out by being, you know, like I was a kid when the uh, when the Indians were, co- were really, really, really good. It's one of the reasons, despite growing up in Connecticut, I'm an Indians fan. Like, you know, whatever. Yeah. A shameless bandwagoning, whatever. I was nine. Get off my back. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the reasons I think, like, you can never make another major league now. And the, when it was made then, that was like perfect timing. Because you have to find a team. If you're going to make fun of a team in a movie mm-hmm. that hard, you have to find yeah. one that's been bad for a really long time. Like, what would be the closest now? I guess the Royals before they won their World Series, but that's over with. And that's Even the, thing, the Cubs like, had a couple good seasons. Like, nobody was that bad team, for so long. Like, it would need to be a team, too. Yeah, exactly. Like, it would need to be a team that people care about, first of all. 
Because that's the thing. People cared about like the Indians. They, they talk about Cleveland being a baseball town now, and I wonder about that. Just because it's hard to watch, you know, baseball just kind of suffers for fandom. But um, I don't know. It would have to be a team that people care about, but also keep or used to care about and used to be good, but then became terrible for a long, long. And it, like you said, it's hard to be bad these days for that long. Maybe the Rockies. I don't know, but no one cares about the Rockies out there. Like <laughs> their own, their owner treats it as like a toy kind of thing. So. But I feel like if you did that to Rockies fans, they'd be upset about it because they're always close enough to being good. But the Indians were like they know they were bad for so yeah, long. Yeah, exactly. And they were they were a, a special kind of bad where they were just you know like I said, just crappy, just not fun to watch and uninteresting, and had yeah. surly players that didn't like the town. And like, how could you hate living in Denver? You know, it's it's a wonderful town <laughs> in every single respect. And also, yeah. you could be a middling second baseman. You'll hit twenty five bombs and have a great <laughs> and have a great career or have a great season. So. Okay, so to start the final round here, um, my pick's kind of an obvious one. It's it's a recent one, but I liked it so much I wanted to pick it. It's it's Jose Ramirez's helmet flying off uh, in every single way. It's the fact that it hel- that flew off and almost hit himself in the head. I think that's when it became a thing because it, it was it was doing that before that. But when it flew off and he kicked it and it almost landed on his head, mm-hmm. that was when it started being Jose Ramirez's helmet flies off, and it's awesome. Um, I mean, we even made a shirt about it, but I don't know the actual count. Uh, Zach Mizell had a count going. I saw it 48, but that ended in September. I don't know if it stopped flying off or what. But but just the fact that your helmet flying off while you're running the bases is such a goofy thing. And then Ramirez is always so serious. I just love seeing him like he's so, he's so furious about everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's <is> adorable. <laughs> so he's an angry hamster. He's just always. And then we got that hair. When the helmet would come off, you could see it peeking out, and then it's just it flies off, and the hair is out, and he's he's got that angry face and little cheeks. It's, he's the best, and just the helmet flying off just adds so much to it. And that's my last pick is helmet, Jose Ramirez's helmet flying off, kicking himself or kicking it almost like if it landed on his head, it'd be my first pick, and I would win no matter what because that would have been amazing. But but yeah, Jose Ramirez's helmet flying off is my pick. That's a great pick. I think it's one of the. I, it, there was a great Twitter account that really that kept track of it too, um, <laughs> because I became very interested in t- as to the stats of the Indians' win and loss record when his hat comes flying off, which probably are positive because it usually happened when he was going first to second on a hustle double. And if he's going first to second, that means the guys are getting on base, obviously, which means that they're getting hits, which means they're probably getting runs. So I assume, without having any numbers in front of me, that the Indians were successful whenever Rose's hat helmet was flying off. I do wonder, I though, did it die off at the end of the season? Because I don't remember it quite as no, much. It, I don't know if he did something. It, ha- it had to have flown off at least once during the playoffs, but it's just we were kind of wrapped up in it being the playoffs, probably, that we <laughs> yeah, were really thing was happening, yeah. yeah. Okay, so what's your pick for your final rounding out yeah. your team here? I, I have two that I might pick, but I might combine them, as you so rudely did. <laughs> there. Uh, that was my pick. Terry yes. Frank things. That is what I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick flying things in progressive field. Now, this could mean midges bothering a Yankees <laughs> pitcher. This could mean Shinsu Chu earning a walk-off hit by hitting a seagull in the, in the middle of center field. Or it could mean Edwin Encarnacion's parrot. It could mean any of these things. But I am pro flying things, spending time in progressive field. And that's that was my a pick. Smooth combination. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, I, I, I had I two like separate ones. I had midges and I had Edwin's bird. And I was like, you know, didn't didn't you kill a bird one time? So I had to, I had to check that out real quick. <laughs> and he got a Where, walk off for it. I don't even remember that. Yeah, yeah, he got a walk off hit for by hitting a seagull. Uh, where was Randy Johnson when he killed that bird? Let me look it up. Was that at I, home? 
I can't Eagles. remember off the top of my head where he was, but I know he was. It wasn't Cleveland. Damn. Okay. Oh. Well, at any rate, also the Indians have uh, several. What do you call them? Windmills. So maybe they could. Uh, I don't know. Knock kind of a few birds as well. Basically, I think that Progressive Field's a deadly place for flying things, and I love it. A true new depth of flying things place. And they do have a ton of seagulls too. Like I've only been to a oh. few games, but if you go in like the early part of the season, they're everywhere. Oh yeah, yeah. I, it's crazy. I, I just remember them all the, those those really dreary years in the, in the around the turn of the decade. There was always just seagulls hanging out in the middle of the of the field there, always. And again, yeah, Shinsu Chu hit one with a hit one with a with a line drive and, and end up in a walk off hit against the Royals actually. So why do you think Edwin Encarnacion has that bird thing he does? I'm not saying I don't like it because I love it. <laughs> I don't know. Weird. It's a weird affectation, though. Do you know, There's, Jason? I, I don't know that the it started as a bird thing. To Google. Well, like and it was like a one wing down thing, which I guess on that, but like the parrot on his shoulder, I think is just something that like be, like an someone on the internet created. Well, yeah, obviously. Well, I, I hope so. I don't. <laughs> he know. didn't I mean, really think he was carrying a parrot around. Well, no, but like Edwin <laughs> Encarnacion didn't like. I don't think reference a parrot or anything like that. <laughs> Like, I mean, him running with the one arm like that was his thing, and that's probably its own story. But whoever put the, the whoever first put the parrot on there was a genius. Yes, and, and deserves credit. <laughs> I wish I knew who it was. Maybe if I can find out, I'll drop it into the comments when this post goes up on Let's Go Tribe. Well, at so, any rate, I hope I see a lot of it this next this, this year. I hope it continues it because it's such a delightful thing. I don't know. It is. I just. I like affectations, I guess. I don't know. He seems uh, he seems quirky. I have <laughs> I no love the grass. reason he started it. Though. Oh, go ahead. I have no grasp what kind of person Edwin Encarnacion is either. I literally could. I I don't know. Am I going to like this man? Who's to say? It's just a weird situation <laughs> to be where to, to be in where you where you know usually uh, the free agents the Indians have been getting have been you know just role players who you like or don't like. It doesn't really matter. They're not going to have a big impact probably. But this guy is supposed to be a central key point. Am I That's gonna a really like good him? point. I don't like know. all the other core players we've we followed coming up and we've seen them on their rookies and stuff. And yeah, like that's we, a good point. it's a different aspect to signing a player like that. Yeah, like because that's part, you know, I, I, like we were talking about before, like fandom is more than just, you know, just rooting for laundry. I, I like to think that we're rooting for the people on the field as well. I mean, I don't want, I don't know. I mean, I'd rather they didn't somehow acquire Ryan Braun because he seems like a jerk. I mean, I'd still want him to hit a lot of home runs, but, you know, I, I don't want to talk to him ever. So I don't know. Um, but yeah, I don't know what, what kind of person I, I've never read an interview by him. I've never he- heard him be interviewed. Uh, all I ever see him is him hit home runs and a hilarious gif of him having a bird on his shoulder. So and, the reason he does it is even better go on. Uh, because it was literally, it's like, you know, when you're rounding the bases, you kind of hold your arm to make it like say, come on, get in or stay in. Yeah. He was doing that once. And his quote was, um, everybody was like, that looked cool. You need to do it again. So, so he does it again. <laughs> that's literally he looked cool doing a thing people said he looked cool so he keeps doing it and then somebody put a parrot on it and now it, it's caught on <laughs> I, like I think that's great cool. All right. yeah. <laughs> yeah so good pick I like that I like you. Proud of bringing it. everything together and combining them and I mean it's no Terry Francona eating things but it's, it's a no. nice pick okay. <laughs> I, so Jason oh, go ahead I was just going to say that I'm as I've talked about already I'm happy with the Edwin Encarnacion signing. Uh, and I think he'll be, assuming he hits, he'll be well-liked. But there is a huge amount of, uh, it's amazing what a, a different uniform can do for your opinion of a guy. Because a ton of Indians fans were 
hating on Edwin Encarnacion during the playoffs this year. So oh, it'll be interesting to see people who are tweeting what a jerk he was and stuff like that, uh, tweeting about how awesome he is in a few months. I mean, yeah. why did they hate him though? Was it just because he was? Because he had a didn't he have a really good ALCS too? Well, he was getting upset too. Uh, when Jose Batista was, so yeah. I remember when I looked it up. So, I was doing that post on Jose Batista it whining. Was all fairly typical fans. This is the stuff fans always hate on other teams' players for doing. I don't quit think whining, that sort of a thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. But yeah. Like, if our guys do it, they're being feisty. Yeah. Well, and I will say, and if we go on about him long enough, he'll probably pop up in the comments. the The Facebook comments for the podcast, like the last. Two or three times we've done it, the same guy has gone on and on in the comments about how terrible Edwin Encarnacion is. So maybe a few guys are going to hold on to the hate that they developed for him during that series. Uh, and I guess good for them. I've been that guy last week, by the way, so that won't happen. We <laughs> <laughs> oh, have the power to do that. I guess it's, it was every post he was doing it, so I just banned him. So. Pretend I didn't <laughs> Unless you just summoned him. Like somewhere he's like, wait a minute, I need to make a new Facebook profile and go. My name. <laughs> leave stupid things about Edwin Encarnacion on every single post. With, with I'm sure he's doing it. Uh, the final pick of our draft, uh, it, it got referenced briefly by Mara already, uh, but I'm going to go with the bug game or the midge game, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the 2007 ALDS game between the Indians uh, and the, the Yankees uh, in which bug swarmed the field, leading Joba Chamberlain to fall apart, leading Derek Jeter and Alex Rodriguez to look like idiots uh, and the Indians beating the Yankees, which is a key part of it. There's no way I would like the game if the Indians had lost to the Yankees. Um, but I love that game. Uh, I love it because the Indians won. I love it because the Indians lost. I love it because there was, it was so weird. Uh, and I love it because I was, and I think I may have told this story already on the podcast. So I'll just tell the short version of it. But uh, I was, waiting tables and bartending at the time at a restaurant, uh, paying my way through grad school and stupidly didn't get that Friday night off work. So I'm, I'm working as a waiter while that game is going on, providing truly terrible service to my tables. <laughs> I ignore them for long stretches of time. And, uh, my boss at the time was a Yankees fan and a really obnoxious Yankees fan. And, uh, during parts of the game, when the when the game was going well for the Indians, he was like hiding in the basement, watching on the TV down there, just like staying out of sight. Normally, he would have been like on the line, making sure everything was working well. But like he was doing just as crappy a job as I was that <laughs> night. And uh, but then the Yankees eventually tie up the game, and he comes like strutting upstairs all of a sudden, and is. Uh, so that was I was miserable, and and they uh, when the when the Yankees tied the game in whatever that inning was, it was fairly late in the game. I want to say they tied it up in like the I guess they took the lead. No, the Yankees were and now I'm confusing myself. At some point, I can't remember what even inspired it, but someone I, one of my coworkers said something about Alex Rodriguez and like how good he is, and you know like boy that that A Rod he sure can hit. <laughs> and I turned to her like loudly. The TV's like over the bar, so there's lots of people around me. And I was not quiet about it. And I go, fuck A Rod! Fuck you! And I stormed away from the <laughs> And I think it says a lot about my quality as waiter and bartender prior to that night that I didn't get fired for this. Um, 
But then it had a happy ending when the bugs came in and the Yankees fell apart, <laughs> the Indians won, and we all lived happily ever after. So Meanwhile, that, she's crying in the corner with her A-Rod jersey. That game, <laughs> that's my final pick. And, you know, people, I mean, I don't, I don't know if people forget, but Chamberlain was unhittable that year. I mean, he was incredible. He was a phenom of phenoms. So, like, I'm just looking at his numbers real quick. He had a 38, like, 0-38 ERA. I mean, he'd struck out with 34 and 24 innings. He'd given up one earned run all year. He was excellent. And he just, there was such an inevitability to him coming out of the mound, but then the bugs just swept all over him and just started getting stuck in his, like, neck rolls. And the, <laughs> the video of that was just so gross horrific, at times, yeah. too. Like, And meanwhile, um, Rafael Perez was just un, uh, unbothered. Completely unbothered yeah. by the whole situation. Just, just, just such a stoic. But the whole, I loved Rafael Perez. By the way, those two Rafaels, him and Betancourt. I, I, lo- yeah. I don't know. Fausto was- pitched a great game. Fausto pitched like nine innings. Yeah, uh, just the one run. And uh, yeah, and then you know he and Perez were both unfazed by any of it. I vividly remember Jeter and Rodriguez like spraying each other with bug spray. Just hosing each other down, and then the trainer yeah, kind of just hosing down Joba. Oh, yeah, that was such yeah, a... Well, I enjoyed a, that in ways I probably shouldn't have. Uh, what a game that was. Yeah, so... <laughs> baseball could always be like that. <laughs> so I would like to point out, I don't know if the timing is a coincidence or not, right as you said, fuck A-Rod in your story, Matt Biller liked her, the video. Like, right as you said, a little like went across the screen, and that was... That added to the timing of it. It was great. <laughs> so you got an agreement out of fuck A-Rod. So. Damn right. <laughs> so that's our draft. Um, I don't think we'll do anything with it. Um, we can't make it's it play each win, other. win, obviously. With my, I forgot <laughs> what I picked already. <laughs> the yeah, buses. No, you should put up a poll and, and, and let listeners. Oh, yeah. Okay. And who won the draft. That's a good idea. I'll do it in the. It'll be embarrassing for you two when everyone votes for me, but that's okay. <laughs> Whatever. With all your heartstring pulling and picking actual things. I feel like that's I, cheating. <laughs> I had a guy eating popsicles and helmets falling off, so. Yeah. <laughs> no, you I had put one, Pat. The only one I didn't, I, I, I had been hard over pick because this other one I had was, uh, but I didn't want to talk about it because we talked about each one of these things for like five minutes. My first overall pick was going to be Jim Tomey's adjustment during his uh, during his swing every time, if you know what I mean. That's a good one, yeah. And you just Very. felt like you, you couldn't limit yourself to only five minutes once you got going on that? What do you like I a whole other Facebook Live show? I don't want to talk about it anymore. The adjustment hour? <laughs> But yeah, I was very proud of that, but I just didn't want to pick it because I didn't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah, Moving what other good ones did you guys have lined up? Just real quick, I don't want to like talk about them. And- I had, I mean, this was, I had Billy Joel, uh, Inferiority Complex, uh, and Francisco Lindor's Smile, and Great Lakes Beer. I almost that's, did Lindor's uh, Smile. That's, yeah. I feel like if we do this again at some point, I feel like the missing component is none of us are really Clevelanders. Yeah. Right. And. Yes. So I think there's some definite, like, growing up in Cleveland with the team things that we're probably missing. Like, I'm sure someone would say, you know, old Municipal Stadium. Uh, I know the ballpark of Mustard is beloved. You know, the atmosphere around the games or maybe, like, you know, someone's train ride to the game or something like that. There's probably a lot of, like, local stuff that none of us would really think of or, you know, or, or hold in, you know, particularly high esteem. Uh, so I think if we do this again, we should have someone like Phil on with us, uh, you know, t- to get that sort of perspective. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, I forgot Phil. 
he's in Canada now. He's a, he's a trader. He's a turncoat. But but he grew up in Cleveland, didn't he? Yeah. 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 So maybe we'll do that. Oh, this Merritt guy who was on, not even from Cleveland. What do we do that Whatever. for? Whatever. <laughs> Midwesterners. Whatever. <laughs> it's yeah. weird that we're. I've talked about this before, but like we're a Chicago-based site, basically. There's three of you from Chicago. I'm from New York, and then just random people scattered over. I'm, I'm down in D.C. now too, so we got uh, we got everything covered except Cleveland. It's perfect. Oh yeah, I forgot. Can't, I can't wait for this swamp okay. to finally um, get drained. I can't tell you. I can't tell you how excited I am. Oh, it's like political. Oh god. <laughs> god, what have you done? <laughs> yeah, so that was fun. I think we'll do that at least once in a while. I have no idea how often or when, but at least once in a while, I'll do a little draft of Indians things. And we had a couple questions lined up, um, but those the ones we had would take a while. So let's just kind of give our thoughts on one in the Facebook Live. I pinned it so I wouldn't forget. Cameron Crespin, he wanted to know, what do you think about us not getting back Rajai Davis? So real quick, it's a topic I forgot about <laughs> anyway, but it's worth talking about. Um, do you guys wish the Indians would have? Or just what are your general thoughts on the Indians not getting him? Jason, if you want to go first. I mean, I would have been happy to have him back on, like, you know, a, a reasonable contract. But when they signed Encarnacion, uh, I just sort of felt like, that was it for signing anyone for more than like a couple million. Um, so I was sort of at that point resigned to the fact that Davis wasn't coming back. Um, I, you know, I, I like him. I, I have fond memories of him. Um, outfield situation being what it is, I don't think it's a significant problem or loss. Yeah. I, everybody has talked about the, the Mike Napoli heart and soul thing, but as far as seeing players talking in dugouts and just the general feel of, Somebody not there, obviously. I always thought Rajay Davis was a bigger part of the heart and soul than Mike Napoli. That man had know. some of the best timing in the history of baseball. I mean, obviously yeah. there was the, the the World Series home run, but I mean, just time and again, he just, I mean, I know clutch is not a thing that you can really quantify or even may even exist, who's to say, but he just always seemed to just, I don't know. He just, I had a, of all the people on that entire team, I always had a hope that Rajay Davis would come through with something at some point. But yeah, like Jason said, it's, it's, I, it would be nice to have him back, but it's not like it's a huge loss, I guess. Yeah. I do wonder if the speed will make any difference losing him. It's like 40 stolen bases gone, but yeah, I don't know how important stolen bases are anyway. All those steals of that. thirds, the third base steals are both infuriating and kind of amazing how often they worked. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Did he ever get caught stealing third? If he did, it was really rare. A couple times. I, th- I feel like he got caught a couple times, yeah. I always remember hating him afterwards, but thinking, all right, well, you made it, so whatever. Just do it. Well, I mean, I guess the hope is the math works out to you lose 40 steals and you gain 40 home runs. So that's good math, I think, in the Indians' favor. But Yeah, yeah, it might be a little better. I mean, you wonder how, how the outfield's going to look. Assuming Almonte doesn't get popped again. <laughs> I mean, he's essentially just a younger – he seems to me like a, just a younger version of Davis without the, the knack for stealing bases, I suppose, which isn't you know really – really the main thing Davis did right, but I don't know. I think, I, th- I think they'll be okay. I think it's, I prefer, I don't know. Eh, it's fine. I don't know. Yeah, it kind of sucks, but it's not like he was <laughs> a, a linchpin to the outcome of the Indian season. I don't think. Yeah, I agree. Any other thoughts, Jason? Nope. Nope. So thanks Cameron for that question. Um, Thank you, Cameron. Like I said, we had another one, <laughs> but that was, the other one was a really long one. So maybe we'll do that some other time, but that's yeah, basically our show. Um, what are you guys up to the next week of complete baseball wasteland? Arbitration coming up. That's exciting. And nothing else. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I have more articles I got to write, I guess. Got to find something to write about. Hey, <laughs> listeners, you damn if, you food. Have, if you have some great ideas for articles you want to read, send them to me. Uh, and I will uh, write something. I don't know. 
<laughs> also, please send a key to this dungeon if you can find it. Yeah, also, please <laughs> let me out of here. This may be a crime that they're committing right now. <laughs> I also wanted to know, because I'm looking at it right now, why is your Twitter avatar a picture of a sandwich? I love sandwiches, and for the longest time, it was focused purely on sandwiches. <laughs> your Twitter account was focused on sandwiches? All sandwiches. If you go back to the early <laughs> days, it was all sandwich updates. <laughs> I had a sandwich block. I excellent. love sandwiches. I think it's the pinnacle of human, human creation. So, yeah. And it's a great look. It's a pretty sandwich, too, isn't it? Look at that thing. Mm. It's been the same thing since I started, since I started having Twitter. Mm. Well, it's oh, funny because Jason has his for the opposite reason because he hates Star Wars so much. So it's like a protest. Yeah. Like if I if I have this avatar, everybody will know I hate this thing. So true. That's how avatars work, right? Yeah, that, that's you exactly put, that the thing you hate most. That's why Matt's avatar. Is <laughs> exactly. <laughs> in circles, I hate circles and I hate me. Me in circles is the worst. That's why I do it. Good looking sandwich. <laughs> I've never seen that minifigure, Jason, that you have. Like, did you get that in a set or did you just go out and buy anything Boba Fett you can find? That's actually my alarm clock. What? Cool. Oh, it's an alarm clock. I thought it was a Lego minifigure. No, it's a, I mean, it is a Lego thing, but oh, it's, like a foot, okay. it's like a foot tall minifigure that's an alarm clock. That is awesome. Oh, you it's sitting on a couch or standing on a couch. You, yes. You, you bop him on the head to uh, <laughs> hit the snooze. Well, now you need a picture of it and, and working. I would guess I'm not the only one who'd be surprised to know that that's not a minifigure. That's no minifigure. Ha, Star Wars reference. Did you get that? Jason, did, did you I get did. that? Jason, well that's a Star Wars reference. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> you know, I thought this was a turkey club for the longest time. I don't think it is. That, that's turkey and ham, clearly. Yeah, there's no bacon on there. And also, the I'm not a big fan of the slice of bread in the middle, but no, I still eat it. Mm-hmm. Anyway. We had a draft of Indians thing. It was great. Everybody, thanks for listening. Um, and we'll see you next week, live or otherwise. Hello, I'm Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. 
I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.